you're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Chris Reynolds. Uh, Chris's new collection is The New World, um, comics from Mauritania. Uh, collection from New York Review Books, their comics line, and it's um, kind of one of the more exciting comics publishers doing stuff right now, and it's really exciting to see this work uh, designed uh, by friend of the Ink Studs, Seth, uh, with a an appreciation at the back as well as a it's a great collection of uh stories that chris had done i guess over what a 10 15 year period about 10 years yes um one is about five years later than all the others that's called endless summer wells but the others were all done pretty much around about the the the, the same period without any any particular gaps and that's about what nineteen eighty eight is the earliest work. Uh, I'd say nineteen eighty five. Okay. Up until about nineteen ninety two. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny. It's I'm gonna plead total ignorance, and it's something that should have been on my radar, uh, but it's work <laughs> that wasn't on my radar, and so seeing that this collection, uh, and then hearing about Seth's appreciation that he'd done for it in the journal. I'm a terrible reader of the comics journal. Uh, it just kind of falls the wayside for me because it gets uh, kind of overwhelming, the amount of stuff in there. Um, yeah. But I was really pleased to have this work and be able to read it over the last week. Um, it's uh, kind of refreshing and interesting and kind of exists in its own. And so I'm really interested of kind of where you're coming from, uh, kind of your entry point into comics and kind of, uh, what you were feeding off artistically, kind of getting to doing this work? Well, um, as I say, it began in about 1984, 1985, with my friend Paul Harvey, because he moved to London and he started working at the Forbidden Planet comic shop. Okay. And uh, he, he, he visited me, because I still lived in Stoke-on-Trent at that time, where we'd both lived before. He came back and visited me one day and said, Chris, I'm starting a comic and I'd like you to do some stories for it, please. And uh, during that conversation, it kind of, we came up with the name, Mauritania Comics, and also um, it became a joint project rather than just his project that I was doing stories for. And uh, that's how it began, really. Had you read many comics kind of leading up to yeah, this point? Yeah, I'd read them before, I'd drawn them before, but that was the start of the kind of, the work that became Mauritania Comics, you know. Because uh, when we were both at college, me and Paul both kind of did comics paintings and kind of single-issue comics. Um, and comics were just around, you know. We bought uh, American Splendor in the early days when it first came out and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I'm really interested. And, uh, oh, go oh, ahead. Go on. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, also British comics... Um, were a, a, a big influence, influence, of course, because I used to read those avidly as a child, as one does, and also Batman comics, which I enjoyed up until about 1985, when I somehow I, I, I kind of came away from them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, right when about they changed significantly, I think at that point. Um, I think they did, because I mean. Before, they were a bit kind of, I don't know, there was the Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers kind of stuff, which I liked. But after the uh, 
the um, the what the kind of the the one by the very famous fellow whose name escapes me at the moment. So oh, I kind uh, of lost interest in it. I think. <laughs> that would be uh, Frank Miller. <laughs> Frank Miller, exactly. Yes, yeah, brilliant. But and that and his particular series was brilliant. But after that, it it kind of changed, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm interested. Um, in like looking at your work and some of the things I think about is kind of um, how um, where you grew up uh, and kind of the environment you grew up around kind of influences your work. Um, well, it does. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, that probably shows very clearly because I, I grew up in North Wales among the Snowdonian mountains. And so that's in there for sure. And also, I mean, in those days, the kind of, 60s and early 70s it was kind of before the country became more wealthy and so the, there were a lot more kind of abandoned and old places around that were kind of gradually tidied up in the 70s and so yeah. you don't get that kind of thing anymore that kind of voluptuous ruin that you you used to get in britain in in that time you know my um my father-in-law actually like uh my girlfriend was born in Aberystwyth in Wales. Oh yes. <laughs> and her parents uh were from Canada and they went over there and he had like a recording yeah. studio and a farm in Wales and just like Brilliant. Yeah. And so I kinda got an uh, idea yeah. of the, the life they had there. Yeah. It's yeah just... Wales is is, is uh, very, very interesting because of course also it's got the Welsh language. Yeah. Do you speak any? My hen Vlad and Hadai and Anne me Grad Bailvechantorion that's part of the Welsh national anthem praising poets. Ah, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's really for for folks that kind of don't really know the the distinctness of Wales in itself in comparison with the. Uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting. The UK is really distinct areas where there's something separate about Wales in its own way. There is, yes, yeah. Um, and so one of the things I'm thinking about is you're talking about like before the the kind of wealth and the change, I guess, of the Thatcher years. And I'm interested about like that subduedness I see in your yeah. work and that, that kind of like having an open place. And I guess Wales really feeds into that. It does. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, I didn't just grow up in Wales because... I had relatives all over the place, and I'd visit them for quite long holidays sometimes. And like old industrial towns like Crewe, you know, the railway town, or um, where I was a student in Stoke-on-Trent with all the old factories there, that kind of thing was still around then, you know. Yeah. Um, do the politics of the time feed into your work at all? or um, Only because it was... Uh, Perhaps the work was a kind of horrified attempt to to get to get away from them. <laughs> yeah. Did you see kind of doing work? Um, and I'm interested about like that creative process in a time because um, because your work is so quiet and there's so much introspection in it. Uh, but what I think of like England in the late '70s, early '80s, especially, is so confrontational. Yeah. In a way. So, yeah. Kind of well, I, I mean, it's it it's always been and still is a bit confrontational here, of course. Yeah, I've only I've only been there once. Um, it was about four years ago, three and a half years ago. It was really interesting to see just uh, kind of 
I never really got class division the way I got it there. Did you really? Because yeah. I suppose living here and kind of being here all the time, I'm probably a bit blind to it, you know. Maybe it was just where I was in some of the circles around, but I definitely see that like difference in like where folks were coming from and just such explicit explicit differences where I don't necessarily oh, see yeah. that as much. Uh, maybe it's also reflected in dress and stuff uh, that we don't yes. have as much influenced here in Vancouver. Yeah. So, yeah. Where was it you went to, to, to London? Yeah, I went to, went yeah. to Leeds, um, to Thought yeah. Bubble, and then to London. And then my girlfriend and I, we drove from London uh, up to um, through Glasgow. And then I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, Glencoe. We drove up to Glencoe. Um, oh yeah! Everyone thought we were crazy because we're driving there, and we're like, "Why wouldn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that because why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these people are like, "We've never been to Scotland," and they live, you know, yeah. two hours drive from it. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> it's it's very. Um, but that's the way of things, isn't it? When you're near to somewhere, you can always go, so you never do. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, within your work and kind of reading it, I'm interested about like a kind of wistfulness and yeah. kind of imagination and kind of how um, you find escape through that. I mean, you're talking about yeah. like stepping away from the politics and stuff, but also like just how um, kind of daydreaming works for you and things like that. Yeah, I think it's kind of, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd see it as kind of constructive daydreaming or deliberate daydreaming yes i can i can see that yeah was that something you found like as a child like you could really get into your imagination and things like that yeah i suppose i could yes um does any of that kind of feed into what comes through in the mauritania work or is it well, all kind of I mean, separate lots of it kind of yeah i mean because Lots of times I'd have a dream and I'd use that in a story, you know, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, that's kind of pretty much the same kind of area, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is that some of the, one of the things, is dreams that kind of seep through into the work? Yeah, I think they do. I, I think dreams definitely seep through into it. Um... I, I, I don't really know how to illustrate it. Uh, but I, but it is something that people have picked up on, you know, and they've said, oh, this is dreamlike. It's interesting because, like, deliberate dream adaptations feel one way, where this doesn't necessarily feel necessarily that, that same kind of yeah. approach. Yeah. Well, it is a kind of... Deliberate dream adap adaptation, but if you were to do a literal dream adaptation, it wouldn't be very interesting because it'd be, it, it it kind of wouldn't have a point. It'd be too much like people would be saying, "Oh, this is just kind of like a dream." So you, I I think in what I've been doing, I've been thinking it needs a little more than just a dream. There needs to be some kind of some kind of a bit more of a structure to it than that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been doing that with them. So it kind of it's it's a kernel or a seed to the work, but the, it kind of branches out yeah, through that. I think so. I, I mean, when we were doing uh, 
if I was Tanya Comics originally, I'd, ha I'd have long talks with Paul Harvey about this, and he'd be saying to me, Chris, that one's too much like a dream, you know, and that one's too self-indulgent, and he'd be right. And uh, I'd say, yeah, you're right, Paul. And uh, it was a kind of editing thing that we'd do. Do you, do you find kind of um, going through the process of doing these works and kind of shorter, longer works and building up to Mortania, um, I'm interested about how you're kind of finding your legs through the different stories and how it kind of builds upon each other. And they don't, they they don't consciously build on each other. What I try and do is I try to do a different story to the one that I've done before. Yeah. Because it would be very easy to do the same story again and again and again. But I don't want to do that. I like to think of something. I I think oh I've not done a story about that before, so I'll try that. Uh, I was going to say, I, I don't really have a plan for these stories. I, when you look at the New World book, Seth has edited them very coherently together into a shape. But when I did them, I just did one story and then another story. And there was no kind of plan or outline to what the stories were going to, were going to be at all. All I did was do stories that I thought were going to be interesting. And it... For me, the kind of focus isn't on the, the, the big collection of stories. It's always on the individual stories. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons that they, they aren't particularly, uh, you know, the, there isn't really a, a strong continuity between them. You know, lots of the various details will actually change because if I kept the detail from the old story, the new story wouldn't be as good and that kind of thing. So is there a chronology to the order at all, or is it just basically based no. on Seth's? Uh, interpretations. Uh, well, this book, The New World, is just based on Seth's assembly of the stories. And they're kind of in the order which I wrote and drew them. And he's put them together very, very nicely. But during the time that I was actually writing and drawing them, I didn't really have a plan, oh, these stories are going to go together. The, 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 the focus was just on the stories, you know, this story, and then forget that one, then another story, and like that. Now the the dial the story that begins the book that's that's an earlier than the other work. Uh, it's not earlier than all the short stories. Oh, okay. Some of the short stories are older than that. The first cinema detective story about Inspector Rockwell and Rosa, where they go to America, that started life as a text story several years before I started doing comics at all. Really. And I just adapted it. Yeah. And uh, none of the story, uh, the, 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 when I was doing the stories, I, I didn't really have a, a, a set way of doing them. Yeah. I'd think, oh, I want to do a story, and some would be adapted from other things, or some would be totally new, or some would be based on a dream. Because like I said before, I wanted to do a different story every time, not the same story again and again. Having said that, there's a lot of similarities, and I have ended up doing the same kind of story again and again and again, because... They, they all come from where I'm coming from, and it's me. So, uh, <laughs> so that happens. <laughs> and but I think... I, my, my intention is to do different ones, anyway. But I think that's okay, too. Like, it's, uh, it's interesting how um, similar stories can be told in different ways. Yes. Because the newer stuff I've done, I've thought to myself, 
actually, the elements in this story are in that other story I did years ago. I've just assembled them differently without realising, and stuff like that. Now, this is the stuff that you're doing the self-published books of? Yeah. More recent stuff than the New World uh, material, which is all quite old. But I'm still doing comics, obviously. But some of these... Some of the new ones, I'm realizing. Oh, I've done this before back in the back in the day, you know. Uh huh. Was there a break in time between um, when you'd done this work and kind of starting doing comics again, or well, some through line? There have been several. There have been several times when I stopped doing comics and thought, right, having a rest, going to do something else. And then I thought, what do I really want to do? And I thought, I'd like to do comics again. And then I've kind of started again, and usually. It's been that I just started again in the old way and nobody would notice the difference. But I was ill a few years ago and uh, it meant that I couldn't really, I, I, I was finding it very difficult to do my lettering. And so I stopped drawing with ink on paper and I started doing comics where I'd do um, a pile of source material drawings and a pile of backgrounds, a pile of heads and a pile of kind of various elements, and I'd assemble them using Photoshop and layers and produce comics that way, rather, okay. than, rather than the old way of doing everything individually. And so that's, what, that's the way I've been doing it recently. Some comics, I kind of do them the old way because I, I, I do a set of drawings specially for them. But, uh, but uh, a lot of the other, uh, other comics, I kind of reuse the catalogue of faces and themes and and uh, do it that way, kind of like a clip These art new ones. type of thing. Yeah, 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 that sort of thing. That's interesting. It makes you think of like, like Darger and like clipping out the faces for his artwork. Yeah, and as long as you've got enough different faces and enough different things, I, I, I people would, people will notice, but it, it, it's a kind of efficient way of doing it. And it's it's not it's interesting because there's there's different ways of doing things and it's not unusual. Like back in the nineties when uh people got more familiar with computers, you'd see a lot more um especially in mainstream comics, people reproducing panels and just adding something to that panel. Um yeah. so yeah. it it's 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 a process and it's also interesting the idea of kind of auto automating part of a process. Yeah. The other thing is it's a lot easier to do conversations because you can have a lot too important conversations without having to think I'm going to have to draw something for all this. You, know, you, can, you, you can more or less have a conversation for as long as you like, which has changed the storytelling a bit because in these new ones, I've tended to do a lot more conversation rather than putting things in text boxes to act as description. I was thinking of... Um... I don't know if you know anything about Chester Brown's process. Um, I don't know how he works. No. He he does a thing where so say he's drawing a panel and you have your figures in the panel and you have the furniture and something in the background. He'll draw each of them in pencil on a really thin uh, piece of vellum. Yeah. And then line up the figures and all all the different parts to in, into the structure that he wants, and then that he'll light box and draw it all together yeah. as a separate panel. I mean, that's a lot more work, uh, but it is yeah. kind of similar in a way where he's piecing it together. It's a similar idea, yes, to, 
to assembling the compositions for sure, yes. Um, so what do you see for yourself as like comics as an outlet? Because um, as you've kind of stepped away and then come back uh, and kind of finding approach in whatever capacity you can to do that work. Well, I, 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 I do them for me rather than for anything else. I mean, it's, it's great that people publish them and buy them from time to time and that kind of thing. Mainly they're for me, and they're kind of they're stories that I, I, I think I would like to have exist, and so I do them. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about the... Is there kind of catharsis, as you said, you're kind of going through a moment with with some health challenges and finding a way to make it work. Uh, And I'm wondering about kind of that kind of relief within a process of being able to continue something in a different way. I don't know. I I don't think anything works. Sorry, just not something else. I I don't think there's anything particularly cathartic about it. Um, I just do it, you know. I, I wake up in the morning and I think, right, I'll do some comics, and then I do some comics, and then I do some other stuff. Um, with with this collection coming out, um, any kind of reflection, re like revisiting this work, and kind of different understandings uh, of it. Yeah, when Seth did his review in the comics journal, it was very very interesting having somebody uh, somebody put these stories and things into perspective because previously I'd put them together chronologically and that kind of thing but nobody kind of pointed out the themes and pointed out how they might fit together before and that was very interesting for me and a bit frightening because I was thinking oh he's he's seen all this stuff look what I've done and I was thinking so what happens now? Do I stop now? Do I restart? And if I do restart, do I do more of the same? Or should I try and do something completely different? And in the event, what I did was I did some that were the same and I did some that were different. But uh, it, yeah, it, it was kind of challenging as well as lovely to have that kind of uh, review. What were some particular insights that maybe hit too close to home or... Kind of they didn't keeps... hit too close to home. It was that it explained it. I thought, oh yes, he's quite right. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't had that before. I thought, yeah, he understands completely. <laughs> so it kind of back... I didn't. <laughs> there were insights that kind of backed up what your approach was. Yeah. Kind of what your thoughts going and into I the thought, work. Yes. Seth has seen what I didn't see, and he's pointed it out to me, which is a very nice, friendly thing to do. Any you want to uh, discuss at all, or kind of leave I it? Haven't got the interview in front of me, but all the way through, he was being insightful, insightful, insightful. He had this—he's—he's—he's he's got the idea that there's a big fight between the forces of reason and the forces of intuition in the stories, mm-hmm. and that the way that I end the stories is often to introduce a point of transformation where things flip over and perhaps become something new. And I was thinking, yeah, I do do that. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've thought that's a neat way to end the story, and uh, there it is. But I, I didn't see, 
see it when I was doing it, really, as anything more than a storytelling technique. I thought, how am I going to end this story? I know I'll do this. Yeah. And he's, he's, I don't know, has he spotted my trick or is it, is it something real that I hadn't appreciated enough myself? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with the latter, I think. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> do you find yourself pondering on kind of on things of life's mysteries and kind of kind of like an existentialism within how we fit into things? I do, but mainly I run from it because what I like to do is to be with people and uh, mess around and uh, be in places where there's life. I appreciate all the abandoned places and the, the moorlands and that kind of thing, but not as much as I did years ago. I'm a, I'm a more mature chap now, and as you go through life, you kind of sometimes you get a big emptiness, and it kind of takes the appreciation of that kind of thing away from you a bit. And so you think, oh, a bit more life, please. <laughs> and so that's kind of more more where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because I mean we're looking at work that is you know about thirty years old, and and you're definitely not going to be the same person. No, for who, sure. Who made that work? I yeah, I I wouldn't be able to do those stories now. Apart, I, I, I mean. Even if I could do the lettering, and, and, and I, I, I probably could do the lettering if I took, if I took enough care. But uh, I wouldn't be doing those stories now. I'd be doing different ones. Mm-hmm. And I am doing different ones. You know, yeah. Is part of it um, that this world that the stories take place in don't, doesn't really exist in the same way anymore as well? Like there's a change in yourself, but also change in the surroundings and kind of what your um, kind of processing. Yeah, that could be, but mainly it's because I'm older, I think, and uh, and you, you you know you kind of go through your life and you think, how many years left now? And when you're younger, you don't do that so much, but you get to kind of nearly sixty and you think, hmm, interesting question. Don't know what I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it, it's interesting because I mean, really, a, a lot of this work is is introspection. It's kind of finding a place in the world. But you're talking about your more recent work, and it's it sounds conversations and just people being together is yeah, a predominant factor. More of that. But going back to these ones, I don't actually quite remember where I was coming from when I did them. I've I've got an idea, but. It's not an automatically easy thing to be able to imagine myself back into my state of mind when I did them. Yeah. I can kind of do it, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, 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 but I'm not the. As we said, I'm I'm not that person anymore, and it's they're lovely stories, and I appreciate them, but I'm different now. Yeah. How old were you at the time of doing these? Uh, I was between twenty-five and thirty-two doing these. And that is really also like a very like, from my own experience, a kind of transformative point in time where you're kind of going from your 20s and into your 30s and kind of the realization of life between those points is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, any age is different, isn't it? <laughs> I guess. Growing up. Yeah. Going, going to big school, going to college, moving away from home, getting married. It's all different. <laughs> what did you go to college for? Fine art painting. 
Okay. And uh, I, I don't really come from a painting background. I, I, I really come from more of a writing background because the stories, the, the material in the New World and Mauritania comics started before I did comics because I used to do written stories before that. Uh, I did a, a very big novel which I started when I was 14 that had Robert in it, had Monica in it, uh, never finished and way too unwieldy to be actually published or, 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 or read coherently. But it acted as a kind of seedbed for lots of the other things. You know, it, 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 it had the landscape in it and as I say, it had Monica in it, Robert in it. And uh, so lots of the things from there, I thought, no, stick them in the comic. Yeah. And also after that, um, still when I was at college, because I was doing a bit of work on that when I was at college, but I, I, I started doing very, very short stories, about four lines each, about the same characters and about the situation, kind of the places that would kind of come to be in Mauritania comics later. And I typed them out on my typewriter and read them to my friends. And that, I mean, that's as far as it got for those, but I was quite interested in doing them, really. Do you ever revisit doing short story again? or I've tried doing these things again. A couple of years ago, I had a break from doing comics again, and I thought I'll do some of these little stories. And it was quite interesting, but it didn't enthrall me in the same way that it did when I originally did them. It's such an interesting juxtaposition because to me, to your comics, um, there's a lot of uh, wordless space that the images really capture really well, and the balance of that against like doing short stories where you're describing the space. And I'm interested about how how those are very different in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, because some of the stories. That are, are, are like two pages, and I pack a lot in. Yeah, there's a lot in in all the panels. Others are, are slightly longer stories, and there's not much happening. I I don't know why they end up like that, but in some way that I've got in my mind that for the grammar, that was how I thought they were going to work best, and so that's how I did them. Um, I think that's kind of one of the things they say. Like for for comics, short stories are the most difficult. I, I've, I've never heard that, but I'd have thought they were easier because they're shorter. <laughs> Surely they're easier if they're shorter. <laughs> you mentioned that you'd done painted comics. Was that part of the your college process? Uh, well, when I was at college doing painting, comics were a bit frowned on, and I was told off. And so they said, you can't do comics here, you've got to do proper painting. So I did proper painting, and the I'm quite a good painter, but I don't really have the interest to kind of persevere with it in the way that I do with comics. Yeah. Did your painted work kind of have a literal quality to it or figurative quality to it? It, it was figurative. Uh, and looking back on it, it looks like scenes from, their, from Mauritania comics, but painted. Okay. So it's always been kind of a seed this place. Yeah. It's always yeah. kind of existed for you in different ways. Yeah. And, uh, well, it all comes from me, I suppose, and it's what I'm interested in. And so, even though I try and do different things, it comes out like that. Yeah. 
it, it's interesting um, how within a work um, a place can exist in different ways and through time and kind of like how Seth with his dominion and that kind of is the place where all his work takes place, this fictional Canadian city. Um, yeah. But your work has this like, not necessarily as much a city as as kind of a place, I'm going to yeah. say. And a not very coherent place either, apparently, <laughs> because it's got deserts in it, it's got mountains and kind of British, British type towns. <laughs> but it, it, it kind of fits together in terms of the stories, I think. Does where you live at the time kind of seep through into more of the landscape? Or is it just Always kind of... Does. So I think we mentioned you're going to be in Toronto for TCAF yes. on May 12th and 19th, um, yes. coming over to kind of celebrate the, the launch of the book. And yes. you're also doing a launch at a pub tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do at the pub? I know it, this already have happened. Well... By the time folks well, hear this, but we're going to have a normal pub time at the start. Then the organizer, who is my friend John Park from uh, what he calls the Salon of Infinite Possibilities, is going to do a speech introducing me. I'm going to do a speech, mainly at which I thank everybody who's helped me over the years, and then and and with the exhibition, and then we're going to do a book signing. Well, I'm going to do a book signing, and then we've got bands on. We've got three bands playing. Oh wow, a full-on event. Yeah. And then at, quite exciting stuff. And then at TCAF, you'll be doing a talk with Seth. Um, yes. Your first time and, meeting. Yeah, actually, that's right. First time meeting. <laughs> uh, are you boating? I hope he likes me. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be really awkward if uh, if you don't yeah, get along. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to be interviewing each other, or do you have any I idea? I don't know the format. I, I, I would expect that probably Seth will lead and ask me questions, but I don't know what the format will be. Okay. Um, and this will be kind of your first time doing this for a North American show? or? Yeah. Uh, um, I've been to North America before once ever, but uh, I, never to do comics before. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a bit of a deal to have you coming over. Yeah, uh, yeah to it's certainly a big deal for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a good show, and I think uh, it'll, it'll be a fun, fun program. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of, you're doing work again um, that's been posted up on your website, which I'll have a link to on, yes. on this website, uh, or on the Instance, we'll link to your website. Does that make sense? I think it did. It does, yeah. <laughs> and I'll and I will link to yours as well. <laughs> there we go. The links back and forth. Um, <laughs> with with the new book out and kind of talking about it and traveling with it, um, is there anything kind of coming to mind of like rejuvenating or just kind of wanting to like take take more comics on? Um, yes, there is. I would I would I would love to do more and. It's a bit lonely, kind of, just doing them on my own, I'm thinking. So I would like to, I don't know, I'd, I'd like somebody to come to me and say, Chris, we've got this exciting comics idea and we want you in it. And I'd say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you're in, was it Worthington or Worthing? In Bournemouth. Bournemouth. But your event's in Worthing. 
but the events in Worthing, yeah. Yeah. Whereabouts is that? That's like on the south coast? Yeah, both are on the south coast. Uh, Bournemouth is further west, and uh, Worthing is towards the, not right at the east end, um, but near Brighton. Okay. And do you find some of your environs there kind of seeping into a bit of your more recent work? Uh, mainly personalities rather than places recently, I think. Yeah. Personalities are being more of a thing. Because I've had years of doing the places, and it's mainly the childhood places, early adulthood places that come in as places. And they were so influential that anywhere that I've just been living in a few years recently doesn't really have a chance, particularly as it doesn't have those kind of landscapes that I'm interested in. Yeah. It's got the sea. It's a very interesting town here. But, uh, oh, it's got some interesting shops, which have come in, some, some of them. But uh, it's just filling in, really. It, it, it doesn't kind of provide the, the, the big background, yeah. <coughs> like where I grew up did. You were talking about the, the characters, I guess, is part of that the kind of English kind of chat culture, pub culture of just kind of being around one uh... another and talking lots? A bit of banter. Not so much. I was meaning in terms of developing the stories. Okay. Meaning rather than develop the stories with descriptive captions, I'm now developing them more with a conversation. Okay. Which which provides different materials for me to put in, so I can do my thing of trying to be a bit different. Well, thank you, Chris, for taking the time to chat with me today. And thank you very much for organising it. Has been-